I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal. Breathes there a movie with souls so dead as Tron Legacy? Well, Speed Racer lumbers to mind. That was a nightmare vision of entertainment in the digital age, although the cast did include a pet chimp that mugged for its close-ups. Disney's ponderous sequel to the 1982 Tron bets a budget of at least $170 million on a video game aesthetic that apes the look of the original but adds precious little humanity to the visually spectacular 3D remix. When Tron came to the screen almost three decades ago, it was widely admired for its trailblazing use of computer graphics and its intricate video game mythology. Tron took audiences into a computer-generated world called The Grid in the company of Jeff Bridges' video game designer, Kevin Flynn, who got sucked into the virtual environment he'd created. By the end of that film, Kevin had managed to escape back into the real world. When Tron Legacy gets underway, though, he's been missing for 20 years. That's because he got himself trapped once again in the land of bits and bites, so it's up to his son Sam to rescue him. He's played by Garrett Hedlund. Sam's entry into the digital domain is staged quite beautifully with the classic fantasy element of a secret door and an opening up from 2D to 3D that evokes the transition from black and white to technicolor in the preface of The Wizard of Oz. No sooner than Tron Legacy opens up, though, it starts to freeze up with one feeling-free sequence after another, a reception committee of what seems to be robotic playboy bunnies with light discs on their backs instead of tails, a vast expanse a la triumph of the will of faceless soldiers representing computer programs, an outbreak of brainlessly repetitive light disc combat, a succession of eye-popping, ear-shattering, and brain numbing races on neon-trimmed light cycles. Daft Punk did the soundtrack, which achieves a loud grandeur that the film reaches for but mostly misses. Light is a motif here, but there isn't much of it given the film's slavish adherence to the original blacks and dark blues. Would the fan base really have been outraged by a slight expansion of the visual spectrum? Nor is there much fun in the real-world sense of the term, except for a gleefully campy turn by Michael Sheehan as a program called Castor, basically a nightclub owner, who warns Sam that he's about to cross the sea of simulation and it's going to be quite a ride. The whole thing is a sea of sensory stimulation, a deadly efficient machine for merchandising toys, video games, theme park rides, and even movie tickets. It's dispiriting to see how little attention the filmmakers have paid to the dramatic, that is to say human, possibilities of the original, or how much they've been overwhelmed by technology's demands. It's as if rogue programs took over the production. I'm Joe Morgenstern. I'll be back on KCRW next week with more reviews.